All right. Good morning, everybody. Looking good. Thank you, Jeremy. I'll take as many cat calls as I can get on a Sunday morning. And with this enlarged rat fur on my face. Thank you. I'm getting a lot of compliments from the front row this morning, so I don't know. You guys better. Yeah, thank Come on. I grew up in a charismatic church, you know, so I'm okay with talking back and people, you know, saying good things to me. Not bad things. I'm very sensitive, but good things. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, if we've never met before, my name's Garrett and I'm a sensitive man. So it's good to see you here. It's been a little while. It's been, I don't know, a couple months since I've uh, been up here on stage getting to share with you guys. So it's nice to be back. Thanks for being here, especially on a sunny day in the Seattle area. I mean, this is like when you know that you are holy is when you choose to go to church on a sunny day in Seattle, because we don't get many of them. So good on you for being here. We are in a series called Made, and uh, we're in week two of that series. And really, the genesis of this series is out of Psalm 139. Don't worry about looking at your Bibles. We're going to put it up on the screens. We're going to kind of rapid fire through some scripture this morning. So Psalm 139, it's up on the screen, says this. For you created, you being God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So this is super personal. It's saying, God, you created the most personal parts of me. You knit me, carefully crafted me. Together in my mother's womb, I praise you, I worship you, I celebrate you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, that is awesome. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This series called Made, we are hoping to simply accomplish this, to encourage you, to remind you of how God sees you, that he made you, that he loves you. So you can sit back, relax. I hope that uh, this time is encouraging and inspiring to you because God loves you and he made you fearfully and wonderfully. Jake said this last week that the overarching theme of the week, that uh, the, the big idea is simply this. God made you and thinks you're awesome. God made you and thinks you're awesome. And this word awesome, the definition of it is, it means to be filled with awe, inspired in wonder that God made us and stepped back and stands in wonderment. Wow, look at that. That is good. That is good. He stands in awe of us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So our goal is to remind each of us who we really are and how God thinks of us, how he sees us, what he says toward us. Last week, Jake kicked the series off talking about clay, that we're made clay. And basically, he talked about how clay is mostly not real useful, except when it's in the potter's hands. And in the potter's hands, it's shaped and it's formed and it's made into this incredible work of art that is cherished by the artist and anyone else that lays eyes on it. Next week, we're gonna be talking about how we're made masterpieces. We'll wrap up in week four talking about how we're made branches, how arboresque of us, right? Get it, arbor, branches? Okay, come on, remember, I'm sensitive and I like feedback, it's okay, it's okay. Today, we're gonna to be talking about how we're made sheep. So you might be going, how did I pick the short straw and show up on sheep week? 
but we'll get there. Hang in there with me. Today we're talking about how we're made sheep. Did you know that we are referred to as sheep more than 500 times throughout scripture? Way more, way more than any other word picture is used. God uses this word picture of sheep and their shepherd to describe his relationship with us. So here's just a few verses. I'm going to rapid fire through them. Five out of over 500 verses on sheep. Again, follow along up on the screens. Isaiah 53. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. 1 Peter 2, referencing Isaiah 53, says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Matthew 9. When he, being Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Psalm 100, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. It is he who made us. He who made us and we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. Jeremiah 50, my people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. They wander over mountain and hill and forget their own resting place. So why sheep? Why sheep? Why not cheetahs or wolves, bears, right? And I'm pulling dynamite fans, ligers. Why not something cool, ferocious, strong, you know, that you look at and watch on National Geographic? You don't watch sheep week, right? You watch shark week. (laughs) Why not? Why are we referred to as sheep? Think about this. This tripped me out when I thought about this. Have you ever seen a wild sheep? Have you ever seen a sheep in the wild? Like you're driving along growing up with mom and dad and they point out the window and say, oh, hey, look, look at a wild sheep. Check kids, look out the window. Oh, so cute grazing in the pasture and Wow, isn't that, wait a second, what's that up on the hill? Is that a cougar? What's a cougar? Cool, a sheep and a, oh my, wait, is that cougar tracking the sheep? Is it stuck? Oh my God, kids, look away, right? Like, there's no such thing as a wild sheep. A sheep in the wild is a snack. <laughs> there's no wild sheep. But like clay was made to be in the shepherd's hand, sheep were made to be in the care of a shepherd. Sheep were made to be in the care of a shepherd. Now, outside of the shepherd's care, they're prone to wander. They're prone to worry. Sheep are defenseless and they're directionless. If you read about sheep, there's this mentality of flocking. You've probably heard that before, a flock of sheep. Flocking is basically this. When a predator comes in, when they feel threatened, instead of running and scattering and doing whatever they need to do, They flock together. They run into a clump and run in circles following each other. It's basically like, hey, Mr. Wolf, come and get it. We're right here for the picking, you know, come and get us. And it says that part of this flocking mentality is that the sheep will follow whatever sheep is right in front of it. And so you'll literally watch sheep fall off a cliff because they're just staring at the butt of the sheep right in front of it. And so it'll walk and fall off and then the next one and At this moment, you're saying, didn't you say the whole point of this was to encourage us? This is not very encouraging. Is God calling us dumb? What's happening here? You know, instead of fearfully and wonderfully made, maybe we were made fearful, you know, if he's calling us sheep. But no, that's not what's happening. Hang in there. 
Because here's the deal. We were made sheep because sheep were made to be in the care of a shepherd. Catch this, sheep were made to follow. Sheep were made to follow. We were made sheep because we were made to follow. And that's good news. That's really good news. You might be thinking to yourself, how in the world could that be good news? And let me clarify what I'm saying here real quick because some people might be going, you're saying that God, Jesus, the Bible is telling us to follow. I'm not saying that it's telling, that, that we're being told to follow blindly, deftly, our friends and our culture. It's not what I'm saying. Leadership has its place. It has its place. But the question is, when we're leading, what are we leading out of? And who is your leader following? Because there's so much focus on leadership that sometimes we forget that we have to first learn to follow before we can lead. And as you read the teachings of Jesus and as you become more and more familiar with him, you realize that he was far more interested in followers than he was in leaders. Talks about it far, far more. But there's so much focus on being a leader. And it's tough because that's what our culture celebrates, right? Growing up, following is like a four-letter word. It's like the equivalent of a four-letter word. We tell our kids, don't follow, right? You're a leader. I say this to my daughters and my son all the time. You're leaders. You're strong. You're courageous. God loves you. Love others, right? And these are good things, so I'm there with you. But culture says, don't follow, lead. We play games like follow the leader, Simon says, right, the whole point of Simon says is, at least for me, ultimately is to be Simon. You want to tell people what to do, right? You want to stand up there, Simon says this, Simon says that. We aspire to be leaders. We aspire to be Simon. So just think about it in your own lives. How many of you have a bookshelf full at home or at work of books on how to be a world-class follower? Is that what you buy? Is that what you go on Amazon Prime and order? The next great book on followership? Do you spend a ton of money to buy airplane tickets, hotel, rental car to fly across the country to a seminar on how to be a great follower, how to be a world-renowned follower? We laugh because it's stupid, right? It's crazy. That's not what we would do. We buy airplane tickets to go across the country to go to leadership seminars. We buy books on leadership. We study science and psychology to understand the minds of others so that we can lead them. All of our emphasis is on leadership. Excluding the Bible. So take the Bible off the table. Can you think of any world-famous followers, people that are known for being incredible followers. I was thinking about this and spinning on this, and I literally, I couldn't think of anyone. So I went into Jake's office right over here, and I asked him this question. Kind of set it up, and I was like, can you think of any great followers? And not skipping a beat, he goes, Sam Gamgucci, or what? Anyone know what that is? Whatever, some weird name from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) This happened first service too. I'm like, I can't remember. He's told me a dozen times. Samwise Gucci? Whatever. All right. People on podcast are now turning their radios off. Like, all right, enough of this guy. So outside of fictional characters, someone said between the break, Batman and Robin, right? But outside of the Bible or fictional characters, this isn't something that as a culture we celebrate. Great followers. It's not. 
And so I was having such a hard time figuring this out, I decided to consult the experts. I went to Google. It's what we do, right? And I was thinking, all right, certainly this will help me out. So first, I did a Google search on famous leaders. And here, this is a literal screenshot that you're looking at on the screens. A literal screenshot of what the top Google results were on my computer. This is the screen of my laptop. So you see Winston Churchill, Gandhi, right? Like all names that you would expect to see on a top 10 list of world famous leaders. So it was pretty much what I was expecting. Then I Googled famous followers. And here's what that search looked like. It wasn't at all what I was expecting, <laughs> right? And you laugh because it's not what you were expecting either. The top results on Google when I searched famous followers was a list of celebrities that have the most followers on social media. Google, it freaked Google out. Their algorithm didn't even know how to handle famous followers. So here's the deal. We don't celebrate followers, unless it's in the context of social media, and we're talking about how many followers do you have, which is celebrating leadership. We are hardwired, we are programmed to celebrate leadership. So how is this good news? How is this good news that we were made to follow? And the Bible has a lot to say about it, a lot to say about it. It's good news because of who we were made to follow and the life that is promised to us if we simply would recognize him, trust him, and follow him, the good shepherd. I read a handful of verses about being sheep, so I wanna read another handful of verses on being uh, on the shepherd. And just a side note, if you ever wanna have like a one-stop shop place to read about this, go to John chapter 10. The two-thirds of John 10 are about this idea of the good shepherd and his sheep. So everything I'm gonna read right now is out of John chapter 10. So here it is on the screen, John 10. Jesus is speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I love that. I know my sheep, every one of them, and they know me. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for Jesus, for the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. Catch that, because we're going to come back to that. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And again, this incredibly personal thing. They know his voice, and he knows their name. Every single one of them in the flock. He calls them by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. I love that. Last one. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Guys, we were made to follow, and we were made to follow the shepherd. Arguably the most famous psalm out of all the psalms written by arguably the most famous character in all of the Bible, Psalm 23, written by King David, who was 
a shepherd. That was his profession, his expertise. Beautifully describes this relationship about a sheep and their shepherds. Psalm 23 is written from the perspective of a sheep. And I want to look at the first few verses of it. Here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. So this is the sheep from the perspective of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. I won't know need. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes me? Nobody makes me do anything. I'm strong and independent. Don't kid ourselves, right? Someone's or something's influence is always at play in our life. He makes us lie down because we so often don't do it ourselves. We don't know that we're tired. We don't know what we need and we're directionless and defenseless. Like sheep, we go astray. We get spun off on stuff. The shepherd in his loving kindness sees us and knows what we need and he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still water. He leads, not I chart my course through careful planning and preparation, but he leads me. And he prepares a banquet for us in the presence of our enemies. Again, he prepares. He makes, he leads, he prepares. Not my own striving, not my own leading, not me planning and figuring things out, but he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Think about this. When all our life is swirling around us, the craziness of life, the concerns of finances, of marriage, of dating, of kids, of whatever. Boss is coming down on you. And the craziness of life, when everything's swirling around you, God, the good shepherd, is saying, don't worry about that. I didn't create you to worry about that. I'm inviting you to a table, to a banquet, in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of chaos, in the presence of a tornado, I am simply inviting you to sit here and enjoy this meal with me. I got the rest of that. I'll take care of that. You weren't created to worry about that. You were created to stand in awful reverence of me, off-filled, not awful, off-filled reverence of me. And this is crazy. This isn't what we're taught growing up. It's foolishness. Garrett, are you saying I shouldn't plan or prepare? You saying that all I have to do is come to the table? Well, in essence, yes, but I'm not saying that planning or preparing is a, a bad thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Go ahead, plan and prepare. But I challenge you to check your motives on why you're planning and what you're preparing for what the motive is behind all of that. Psalm 16.9 says that we, men, women, create their own plans, but it's the Lord that directs their steps. So what happens to us when we have plans and we're expecting one thing, but we experience another? And as the Lord directs our steps, we end on a path that's different than what we were planning for. How are we gonna respond? What's our countenance gonna be in that? Because this matters. This is, this is important. Here's the thing. 
as he directs our steps, as he makes us lie down in green pastures, as he leads us besides still waters. We celebrate those moments, right? I think that's what we all yearn for. Lord, take me there. Get me out of this chaos. Give me an answer to this question. I celebrate those moments, and I celebrate those moments in your lives. When I get to hear from you guys the praises that you share, answers to prayer, I celebrate with you. But here's one thing to think about. He doesn't take us to the pastures, to the meadows, to the still waters, to leave us there. We tend to think destination we tend to think end like ah oh, yes i'm finally there but god in psalm 23 he says it is taking us there to restore our soul and why does he restore our soul because he's not done with us yet there's more journey ahead there's more road to be traveled and so he's getting us ready for what's next he's saying i'm glad you're loving this enjoy it but we're about to get up, and yeah, we're going to have some rocky terrain, and we're going to have some incredible terrain, but you got to trust me. The view from the top is going to blow your mind. So rest up. Lay down. I will lead you on an incredible journey. But follow me, because I am the good shepherd. We are made sheep because we were made to follow, and we were made to follow the good shepherd, the carer, the nurturer, of our soul. And as we start to close up here, I want to focus on this last thing. A key component to following is listening. You remember back in John 10, multiple verses said, they hear my voice and they follow me. When they hear a stranger's voice, they run because they do not recognize it. You remember that? So two things. One, we recognize the voice of Jesus, which begs the question, is he still speaking? Yeah, in order to hear him, that must mean that he is still speaking. So a key part to following is listening, and listening to what? The shepherd's voice. Guys, what makes us as Christians different than anyone else, most any other world religion out there? And, and take heaven off the table that we get to go to heaven when we die. That's a big deal. But right now, sitting here, right now, what makes you different? Why would anybody want to be like us? Why would anybody want to follow Jesus with their life? What's better about our life? We still have pain. We still have brokenness. We have hurt. We have heartache. We have stress, right? Why would anybody else want to be like this? The defining difference about us is that our God that we worship is not dead. He is alive and he is active and he is speaking and if he wasn't, he'd be another idol on the shelf next to everything else in our lives. He'd be in some little trinket shop. You'd buy another statue of something. Think about it. If God didn't speak, then he's dead and he's just another idol. But he's not dead, he's alive and he's actively speaking. We talked about this just a couple weeks back. We went through a whole series on hearing the voice of God. But this is a defining difference about us. And he is actively engaged in our lives right now, speaking to you, looking at you, standing in awe of you. Man, I did my best work when I created him. I did my best work when I created her. And like sheep, know the voice of their shepherd, we are to know the voice of our shepherd, of our father, the good shepherd.
He loves you. He's speaking to you. So this past couple weeks have been brutal, if I'm honest, brutal weeks in my life and the life of my family. Two weeks ago today, I got a call that my cousin, who is far more a sister to me than a cousin, suffered a massive and catastrophic heart attack. And um, the medics tried for more than 45 minutes to resuscitate her and ultimately were able to. But because of the extended period of time that her body, her organs, her brain went without proper blood flow and oxygen, this heart attack wreaked havoc on her entire body. Um, the doctors tell us that she has significant brain damage and is giving us a prognosis that is, um, well, terminal. Um, and it's been, it's, been, it's been hard. It's been hard for me and my family. And, and I've spent most days these past couple weeks at the hospital with her and with my family. And Thursday, I was planning on writing this message that I'm sharing with you now. And I got in the office early and um, got started. Nine o'clock, my phone rang, and it was my uncle saying, you got to get up here right away, Garrett. Things aren't going good. And so I got my car, and I'm just hauling tail up I-5, and I just felt frantic inside. And I'm praying, and I'm praying, Lord, please heal my cousin. Please heal my cousin. Please heal my cousin. And I was spinning out. I found myself scared, full of fear and worry. And in that moment, I heard God say clear as day to me, Garrett, what are you so scared of? And I said, I'm scared of losing her. <laughs> I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose her. God, display your power. Rock our family. Miraculously heal her. I don't want to lose her. And God, I'm scared that I'm going to have to reconcile with myself why my prayer get, didn't get answered. And I'm scared that my family who sees me as the pastor in the family is going to ask me, why did God let this happen? And I'm not going to have a good answer for it. I'm scared of all those things. And God said in a very kind way to me, then you're praying out of fear. You're not praying out of faith. And he said to me, Garrett, whatever you give fear to, you give control to. Whatever you give fear to, you give power to. See, we're to stand in awe of God. To be in fear of God, meaning the awe-filled reverence, understanding that he's got everything in control. The God that can give us a banquet in the midst of our enemies. When everything's caving in on us, the God that says, just worry about this. We're to stand in awe of that God. But when we take our awe and our fear away from God and we give it to our circumstances, we give our circumstances power over us. And so instead of listening to the voice of the good shepherd, I was listening to the voice of anxiety and of fear and all these things that were spinning inside of me that I didn't know how to control. And this is something that's very hard we're taught to lead, right? We're taught to grab the bull by the horns, to take things by the reins, right? All these cliches to control our lives. When things go a direction we don't know what to do with them, grab it by the horns, control it. You'll figure it out, which is completely contrary to what God's asked us to do when he says simply follow me. 
God knows we're skittish. He knows that, that we're prone to fear. He knows that we're prone to wander, to get lost, to lose our way, to not know when we need to lay down, to not know when we need water. But the thing about us that's a bit different from sheep is we think we're being smart about it. So we go to ourselves and, and, and we go to Google and we go to books and we go to conventional wisdom. We go to our teaching, our training, our schooling, our experience. I'm going to figure this out. When God's just saying, just come over here and follow me. Rest in me. I've got that all under control. And again, I'm not saying you just do nothing. I'm just saying you check yourself. What are your motives? Why do you feel such a dire need to control that thing and to grab hold of that thing and to influence that thing? Is it out of fear of what will happen if you don't? Or is it out of the abundance that you've received from God, the good shepherd, in him you lack nothing? Is this actually true? Could this possibly be true that this is the life God promised us? That he's simply asking us to follow him and all of his riches, all of his glory, all of his blessings will really follow out of that? That's what he's saying. That is precisely what he's saying. We are made to follow, not blindly and certainly not deftly. We are made to follow the voice of the good shepherd. His sheep hear his voice and they follow. They hear his voice and they follow. Are we listening for the voice of God? Are we listening for the voice of God and are we following? Look, I was just after service walking by the kids' room and, and, and a child cried and a woman in the hallway said, that's my son. How do you know that's your son? Because the mother knows the sound of her baby's cry, right? It's instinctual, but it's not just instinctual, it's practiced. You've heard it time and time and time and time again and you become familiar with it. How frequently do we hear the voice of God? so much that we're able to recognize it like that because he's speaking all the time he's alive and he's active in our lives and he's talking and he's leading us when we hear we follow it becomes more and more easy more and more easy he doesn't just speak so we'll simply listen he doesn't just speak so we can quote back to him what he said to us he doesn't speak to us so we'll no more deconstruct and go deeper he speaks to us expecting that we'll respond, expecting that we'll follow. We were made to follow the good shepherd. Look, as I end, you guys, he speaks to us because he cares, because he's leading us somewhere special, somewhere great, because he wants us to trust him, because he wants us to follow him. We are his sheep and he is our shepherd. Do you know his voice? And will you follow him? And so I hope, I really hope this is encouraging. That we are made in the image of God. We are made to follow him, to trust him, and to be in his care. And everything else in his eyes pales in comparison. That's all he wants from us. And so I want to encourage you. My challenge to you this week as you leave from here, whatever happens between the parking lot and next Sunday, every opportunity you have to freak out, stress out, panic, get stressed, get angry, is an opportunity for you to go, is it in the circumstances 
or am I standing in awe of God and hearing his voice and following him? Because if you are following him, if you are listening to the good shepherd, you will take your thought captive. You'll pause for a moment and you'll talk to him. And he'll talk back to you. And you'll follow him. And you'll walk in peace this week. And the more you do it, the more you practice it, the easier it gets and the easier it gets. Life doesn't get easier, but hearing him gets easier. And somehow that peace that surpasses all understanding, you actually experience. As I sit and reflect on what's going on with my cousin and the decisions that the family has to make in the next couple days, um, I don't know. I haven't thought about how to say this part. I'm not excited about it. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't look forward to it. I'm grieving deeply in my soul. And yet I know that God loves my cousin more than anyone else. And that in his great grace and his great love, she's in his arms. Whether I see her raise up from that bed and walk, which honestly I was praying in that room right before I came out here to speak, I'm still praying in faith for that. But regardless of if my expectations and my experience match up or not, I still know that God's leading her and he's leading me and he's got the whole thing figured out. And I'm at peace with that. I'm at peace with that. And it's quite the dichotomy to grieve and be at peace at the same time. But that's the life he offers us. So when life starts throwing you life this week, my challenge to you, take your thoughts captive and look to your leader. Instead of thinking you need to lead yourself, look to your leader. Talk to him. He'll talk back. Let's pray.